You're listening to On the Line with Bianca and Logan. Hey, I'm Bianca. And I'm Logan. And we are talking about ACES today on the line. And ACES uh, stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. And Bianca, can you give us a definition of ACES and what that all means? Sure, sure. Um, So ACES is just... So ACES obviously is an acronym. And it's basically a term that encompasses any abuse, neglect, or other traumatic childhood experiences. Um, It comes from a study out of uh, Kaiser. Um, And we came across this topic and it became important to us, I mean, essentially because we are a youth crisis line and uh, we take in a lot of stories and a lot of um, experiences of youth on the crisis line who are experiencing adverse childhood experiences. So um, it is important for us to speak to our volunteers and train our volunteers as well as our staff on adverse childhood experiences and the subject in general as well as volunteers and staff looking at their own ACEs and looking at their ACE score. Now the score comes from a quiz that you can find online. You could just Google adverse childhood experiences quiz and you'll get the quiz that most people have posted. I believe it's pretty standard Um, and you'll get a score that ranges from I believe zero to uh, maybe I think fifteen. Fifteen, yeah. 15. Um, not because I don't have it. Yeah, sure. I don't have I don't the have quiz in front of me. Yeah, but um, most people have one or more aces. I believe it's sixty-four percent of people have one or more aces. Um, and I, th- in the original Kaiser study, um, you know, the higher the number of aces, you usually see kind of a, a smaller group of people with like maybe like five or more aces. And aces are also associated with higher risks of um, different kinds of health issues, as well as things like drug use, um, mental health risk factors and things of that nature. And with aces too, is that the, the kind of the purpose of the crisis line uh, like Bianca was saying, was to train our volunteers to know what it looks like and what it can pertain to. And we won't get into like all the brain science and the things that protect you from it and all that. That'll be a whole other thing um, that we'll do. But it is important to know what people can be experiencing or what they've experienced in their past and, and how um, that might affect the way that they're currently thinking or the way that they are currently behaving or whatever it is uh, that some folks who experienced a lot of different aces or have a high ace score um, tend to um, fall into trouble or have maybe have um, not a lot of a things like not a lot of uh, coping mechanisms in place depending on the different protective factors um, or different other experiences because there's a lot of different things that go into it in that having a high ace score doesn't necessarily mean that you are bound for mental illness or for a life of destitute or anything like that. Um, but it's good to be boy aware of maybe your ACE score or just know what things in your past um, 
maybe affecting the things that you're currently working on in the present or how it might affect you in the future and what supports you might need to overcome those things mm -hmm. because as humans we are very resilient mm -hmm. um, regardless of what we may experience and sometimes we just need a little support yeah. and that's totally okay to get and that's why we have the crisis line and why we teach some folks about why well, we teach everyone about the aces because we need to make sure they know that people are experiencing this whole other like you know people live their lives up until the point that we talk to them on the phone right we get a, a 30 minute snippet of their life um, which is nothing in comparison to however <laughs> long they've lived it's such a small amount of time yeah and I'm happy that you said the word resilient yeah. um, because along with ACEs comes the term resilience. And it's not just a term, it's a concept and it can be just your way of life. Um, essentially, it's the degree in which you bounce back from different traumas um, in your life. And so, you know, it makes sense that that goes hand in hand with adverse childhood experiences is that you could have a high a score um but have an equally robust resilient score which means that while you've gone through these things just as logan was saying like you have found ways to bounce back from it or found ways to cope with the trauma that you do carry with you um i think it might actually be a little dangerous to i guess in my opinion to say things like bounce back just because we do carry the experiences that we've had with us, um, whether they are actively affecting our lives. And so I think going with that, understanding resilience and understanding what you're doing in your life to feed yourself and to help cope with those traumas um, is really important. And it's something that we definitely feel is important here at the crisis line. and. Um, I know I've heard Logan on the line talk about, you know, talk, well, not talk about, but talk with uh, callers when things aren't going the best. And I know he's like a pro at helping people find their resilience and their protective factors in their life. And uh, with ACEs in general, it's, you don't need to know all the different facets of, um, what someone experienced in their past to be able to help support them mm -hmm. um, and that it's it's good to have a, some kind of background in what's going on so that you can be culturally competent mm -hmm. make sure that you um, you know we don't typically offer advice here at the crisis line but we do maybe list out options or give resources depending on what's being said and so being aware of you know what traumas or triggers that they currently have or have had so that we don't offer a resource that could be traumatizing so if they you know been in a shelter before and they were sexually assaulted at that shelter um you don't want to offer that same resource or right. something like that or if there's a safer space or a different option or finding out what else they've already done and worked on or currently works for them um can be extremely beneficial and with aces um they kind of go hand in hand with protective factors and risk factors um but we'll we won't touch on that so much and we want to give a brief overview of just what aces will be and how we might handle them on the line and so maybe some anecdotal experiences that we've had or heard in trainings mm -hmm. um when it comes to aces uh, i took a i took a training a few years ago um with some other staff members here and uh, it was just kind of learning about ACEs, what they were, and we all took a quiz for our ACE score, figuring out and kind of talked about it if we feel comfortable with our groups 
and with that too we we had some lawyers in the room which i which i thought was interesting uh that they were there learning about aces because i kind of thought it was a mental health thing really only or like child development or anything like that um and they were talking about how uh adverse childhood experiences was and protective factors even were used in the court of law in that um, they might use the adverse childhood experiences in, in a defense case hmm. um, and talk about how this person experienced so much different traumas in their life mm-hmm. that um, they weren't never they were never given the tools and the yeah. coping mechanisms or given any kind of support um, or vice versa saying that you know this as a prosecution saying that this person experienced this but their sibling also experienced the same thing and uh, they had protective factors yeah. that were able to help them bounce back and be resilient yeah. um, versus turning to a life of crime or committing a crime and whatever it was or just having a terrible life or childhood that there's so there's a push and pull that even if you experience something that someone else has experienced your life will be very different depending on the resources you currently have or have had uh, versus somebody else yeah um, and that's something that we talk about the with the counselors all the time here is um we don't give advice because advice can lead down a dangerous road <laughs> of giving someone some, some advice that may not work or may not even be an option for somebody else. Yeah, we only uh, get like a snippet of our life. Absolutely, so. absolutely. And w- not only that is that um, we it's a way to protect our counselors too because we never want to put them in a situation where they give advice mm-hmm. and it turns terribly for mm-hmm. the person that they're trying to help. Yeah. And, and they come back saying, you know, so-and-so told me that to do this and it blew up in my face or it made the situation yeah. worse. Um, our counselors are not here to um, to give advice in, in a way to protect themselves and also protect other callers because mm-hmm. the advice could be bad even if all the good intentions are there. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the giving resources is, is having the knowledge and the kind of just minimal background that you need to know about what could be a resource that helps this person versus like some anecdotal experience that I might have to help this person because I experienced the same thing and this is what I did to put help me push through it and I'm fine and look at me I'm a crisis counselor now <laughs> um, it doesn't quite work that way um, because yeah. there's so many different things that people have there's so many different um, resources that I have that maybe someone else has to have or vice versa it might be yeah. something that somebody else has that like I never would have had that yeah. as a support system yeah um, and it's just so many different facets in life that can that can lead things good or bad mm-hmm. um hopefully good and we'll and we'll hear the crisis line we're here to help you figure out good coping strategies and methods and resources that'll help push you towards um resiliency and bouncing back and protective factors um and even recovery programs too like whatever is needed um we'll kind of suss it out and figure it out with you because a lot of folks who call a line don't even know that there's support out there for them mm-hmm. um, and that we're the first connection for them um which is great because we have more training than your typical folk who mm-hmm. are on the street or your friends or family yeah. or your peers who are also under the age of 18. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so we, we have a laundry list of skills and tools that we have to, to utilize to help anyone figure out what's going on. And even if we don't have those tools, we have at least the resources to hand them off mm-hmm. to somebody who can better assist them, um, which I know can sound like more red tape or more... Um, more hoops to jump through to get mm-hmm. the help that you need. Um, but even just making the call in the first place, calling us is leaps and bounds of getting help for yourself. And actually, um, that's something that I wanted to add to just a quick, quick little addition to that. We do have the capability. If you're calling our line and you are feeling overwhelmed, 
with the prospect of hanging up and calling another number, we do have the ability to do a third party call. So that would help you to have the support if you feel overwhelmed with making that additional call or you know if it's the right time for you to make that call whatever resource that might be and I think that is very important to highlight especially with what Logan was talking about because crisis and the problems that people have can definitely become overwhelming and they might feel like they're underwater at times and so I wanted to highlight that that we have that additional layer of support there and that it's not just that you know we'll give you the resource and then we're like bye see you later you know we're definitely there um, to try to give you that warm handoff experience as best as we can uh, because we do try to keep things anonymous and confidential just in case you know that's needed uh, in the conversation. And we always check in with our callers too. Like if they, if we give them a resource, we'll, we'll ask them like, "Hey, would you like us to to call them for mm-hmm. you? Figure, like, and tell them your is it okay if we share your story with them before we connect the call? We can hang out and be, we can all three be on the call. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you don't feel like you need me, I can I can back out of the conversation if you want to talk with this person, um, just the two of you instead. It's really up to the caller to make that that call. But we are going to be with you every step of the way until you tell us that we don't need us anymore. And then of course if you you know, if the call gets con- disconnected or if you actually follow through with the resource and use their services, you can call us back. Doesn't mean that you can't call us right. back. We're always a resource that you can utilize anytime, 24-7, call, checks, call text, or chat, any of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are just here to support youth and families of youth and really anyone who calls. We're not going to turn you away um, because we care about people, mm-hmm. all of us here. So I guess I'll share kind of my experiences with ACEs here at the crisis line. So in addition to the occasional call that I'll take now, um, I also do the training here for the volunteers um, and staff members just to give them some information on ACEs and to put it on their radar. And more importantly, for them to understand their ACE score and what that might mean and what it does not mean and how it may affect them um, while they're taking calls. And so part of that training is uh, our all of our volunteers take an ACEs score quiz and we do talk about the feelings associated with that number that comes up. Um, because if you have never taken that quiz, it can be daunting what your number is because there's a lot of very common things that could happen in your home um, that, you know, most people kind of push back to the back of their mind and go on with life um, and may have never necessarily addressed it. And when they come here, it might be the first time that they're uh, brought back to that place. Mm-hmm. And I remember... I think I've done this a couple times now. Um, remember, I remember seeing the faces after the ACEs quiz, uh, and I know that people are being brought back to certain places. And so that's one of the reasons why uh, I wanted to highlight resilience right away, um, because it's important to highlight resilience after that quiz um, so people can understand that 
aces don't propel you so quickly into a life of like crime or mental illness or all these negative things that are associated with aces um but i do think it's important to understand those experiences because of vicarious trauma um and what vicarious trauma is and i won't get too much into detail with it but vicarious trauma is essentially it's a a trauma that you can feel from hearing another person's traumatic story or experience experiencing someone else's trauma through them in some way shape or form and it's prevalent in some in a place like the crisis line where we hear a lot of stories and we hear a lot of traumatic events that we can not only relate to but we can be brought back into those experiences again and so it's very important that during the training that our volunteers and staff are aware of those particular triggers and there's a uh, quite a bit of screening for our volunteers too to make sure that they're okay and we're always checking in with them mm-hmm. um, from the application to the interview to the training to them being here on shift and making sure that they're okay um, and we even tell them like you know if you're not feeling mentally fit for that day you need mm-hmm. a mental health day and it's your shift take it off yeah. it's totally okay um, we have we have plenty of other volunteers and other staff members that are here covering the line um, and we don't want to make you know, life difficult for anyone, especially, um, you know, like some people feel stressed when they come here uh, with about like, you know, I can make this commitment to, to help people and I really want to help people, but today is just my day, not my day. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Um, and having mental health days for yourself is also okay. Like even as not a volunteer for like a worker or yeah. for, for a youth, whatever it for is, everybody, everybody, it's okay to have those days. Um, and with ACEs too is, as again, these are risk factors. They're not something that is like, if you have a high score, you are going to be a, a deviant or mm-hmm. have a mental illness or whatever it is. I know when I first took my uh, ACE score, it was relatively high, but I was not surprised by it because yeah. <laughs> I've done the work uh, to kind of yeah. uh, kind of pass that stuff and, and work on it in my life. And I'm always continuing that work. I'm never not in a moment where I'm just like, I think I'm perfect today. Yeah or forever Mm -hmm. and I'm going to be the best and share that with everybody. It's Mm -hmm. never that way. Um, Life ebbs and flows um, in general, good and bad. Mm -hmm. And we, and you know, I, I've learned some coping mechanisms. I have a lot of support systems in place to help me work through all the things I need to work through um, as well as uh, many different trainings to help me uh, navigate not only crisis counseling, but my own life and communication styles and uh, make sure that I'm, mentally and physically fit to handle crisis calls because it's very important to to have both of those things um to really take the calls and help people in need um as well as you know bianca and myself not only help with callers at times but we are also that support system for our volunteers too Mm -hmm. so our volunteers have a traumatic event or a traumatic experience or a call or worried about something or Mm -hmm. don't even know what to do on certain calls we're there to support them you know, we're either on call or we are here at the line itself. Um, we keep track of everything and, and our volunteers luckily feel safe enough. Um, and it's good that they do because we're with them every step of the way during yeah. training um, to come and to ask the questions. And yeah. there's sometimes there's even questions that we get that's like, oh, man, I've never heard of the situation before. They're right. It's going to take, a, a, you know, a little bit more than the two of us to figure yeah. it out. And so there might be yeah. three of us working on a, on a call 
um, just trying to find the right resources or the next best step for this caller. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen too often, but it, but it can um, because we can't account for everything when we let anyone define their crisis. Um, it looks like anything. Mm -hmm. and that that can be a little scary and daunting, but other times it, it also makes it easier for folks to call us who, who don't feel like their problems are good enough or deep enough that someone's suffering more than them. It, it, like, that doesn't matter. Comparing yourself is never going to get the help that you need um, and um, never a bother to us to help with any, any problem, any situation. Um, big or small. I think it's important too on the like on the side like on the side of aces to also remember that you can have a low ace score and still have risk factors associated from other situations in your life. Um, I know my ace score is pretty low, um, and that is because uh, some of the traumatic events that have happened in my life, uh, just speaking personally, um, they happened in adulthood, mm -hmm. um, and so it's important to focus more on the protective factors and bringing those into your life and kind of focusing on wellness um, more than anything um, because it doesn't necessarily, just because you have a high A score, uh, one way or the other doesn't necessarily predispose you to um, all sorts of terrible things. Sometimes the trauma that you deal with in your life comes from a different part of your life and this a score may not actually be indicative of um what's going to happen while you're an adult yeah and um you know some folks that i that i've interacted with or that i know that have have high a scores um it it it's also helped influence them getting um a lot of protective factors, a lot of social support systems, right. building their resiliency and also their coping strategies mm -hmm. in a healthy way that when they do get to a, a place in their adulthood where they're experiencing another traumatic event, that they actually have more skills and tools um, right. at their disposal to handle that uh, event as an adult. Mm -hmm. Whereas those who may not have experienced any kind of traumatic event never had to build those coping skills. Yep. Um, and then when they experience <laughs> them as adults, it might be a little bit harder. It's not true for everybody. Yeah. Um, both ways. Yeah. Uh, but it but it can be, and um, even even folks who never experienced any trauma too might already know these coping strategies to help them when they do experience it too. So it's really a matter of educating yourself and being aware of what works for you, what doesn't. A lot of the times we don't know what our own boundaries until they're crossed. Yeah, um, that's true. <laughs> uh, but with with this is it's more so um, preventative work is always great. You don't need to be um, experiencing a mental illness to go to therapy. Right. You don't need. Um, any kind of like bad things happening in your life to get support mm -hmm. and figure out what works for you and what you enjoy. And it's actually better for you in the long run if you do figure those things out early on yeah. because you'll ha you'll have a better quality of life. It's just in general, if you're doing good things for you and you're feeling good, yeah. it's a good on top of good. I don't see any negatives to that. Right. But, but also right, right, right. when you are experiencing something traumatic or having a hard time that you already have systems in place that you can turn to to help bounce back from those things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, look at you preaching. <laughs> <laughs> but it, yeah, it's, it's, it is super important to just focus on the wellness factor of all of that. It's just super important to focus on the wellness of all of that. I think that, um, it kind of goes along the line here at the crisis line. And I believe I said it in the last episode is that our callers are the experts of their life. And I think this kind of just what we spoke about, how like, you know, your A score doesn't necessarily define you and your experiences don't necessarily define you. And so even though like you call us and you tell us 
maybe a story that is terrible, that doesn't define you. And so that's one of the reasons why like you're the expert of your life and we're not going to tell you to do anything in particular because you just never know um, how an event might influence your life and how it might influence you to seek out those protective factors in your life and how at the end of the day it might lead to a higher resiliency mm-hmm. um it may lead to healing um, or it may not but that's one of the reasons why we try to deal with people as individuals instead of dealing with people as um you know statistics or scores or mm-hmm. you know everybody is unique yeah and that goes with like medication and therapy all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. it never nothing's a one-size-fit-all for everybody right. everyone has their own their own personal story and their own way of coping and, and dealing with things and so we try to tailor fit that with everybody mm-hmm. uh, as well as the resources we find them too so it's a matter of like what who are you um and how can we best support you mm-hmm. what would be the most beneficial and i had many calls where even asking the question of like how can i best support you today just clarifying because they can come in start saying a lot of things that they're dealing with um, and just asking the clarifying question, what would be the best support for you today can change that conversation so drastically um, to feel like, you know, you have no idea what you're going to say or do with this caller Mm -hmm. to them telling you directly, this is what I need from you. And it makes the call so much easier for both you and the caller. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, this is, this is exactly what they called here for. And and this is what I can provide for them. And here's the services and how I can help them in that. Um, and then going forward, what are things that we can have in place to, to help support them as they go through that journey, whatever that may be, um, which is something that we tell people in training all the time. Um, but it doesn't seem like it could be that easy at times where it's like, man, this person just talked to me for 30 minutes about all these terrible things. Yeah. If I ask them what's what they would want from me, like that sounds rude. And it's like, well, it's as long as you're you're. English, you can, you know, you can say no in English way, like 400 different ways. It's like all a matter of your tone, your cadence, um, your syntax, how you structure your sentences of, you know, how you come across. Yeah. And if you're coming from a place of support, and especially we get a lot of callers who, who think of us as like a higher, um, like a authority figure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, you know, our word is, is more, has more value, more meaning, um, more yeah. weight. Um, and you know, I'm never on the phone like, well, what do you want from me? That's never the way that it's handled. It's, it's like, I would, I would love to best support you today. And I, and, and I'm asking, you know, what, what would be the best support for you today? What would you love to get out of this call with me? Yeah. Um, and that really helps navigate the call in a very concise manner so that they can tell me directly, this is what I need from you. And then I go, great. And we'll figure it out together without me saying, cool, I can help you with that. Or instead of saying, um, you know, cool or, or not cool but just like i can't help you with that it's mm-hmm. uh, we'll figure it out together yeah well i think that wraps up our discussion mm-hmm. on aces um it was great to be able to speak to you all again um and we definitely look forward to speaking to you about other topics that uh are important to youth and youth crisis and just the greater community because youth are within the greater community, especially since we have a demographic of 12 to 24. That is a large swath of people in the community. So uh, thank you again, and thank you for joining us on the line. And we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to On the Line with Bianca and Logan. The California Youth Crisis Line is a program funded by the California Office of Emergency Services. 
We are a free call and text crisis line open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Youth, family, and friends experiencing crisis can talk to one of our counselors today by calling or texting 800-843-5200. Again, that's 800-843-5200. Or visiting us at www.calyouth.org slash CYCL. Our hosts are Bianca Christian and Logan Scheidler, and our producer is Jason Alviar. Check us out on SoundCloud and Spotify. We have new episodes every second and fourth Thursday of the month.